We invite our children to be dismissed for their time of worship. And as they go, I invite you to join me as we bow together and pray. For some here, O oh God, it is just a spectator experience. But for those who are willing to risk listening, not to the preacher, but to the word, we will discover that you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending. And so we pray that you give us faith to go out with courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love is supporting us. May your church in this place and around the world Hear your call this day in the name of the one who followed your call even unto death, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A rich man's Ferrari got out of control, started going too fast and spun out clipped the side of the railing on, on the left side and tore the entire door off. The car spun and spun, and when finally it stopped, the passenger sat stunned in this beautiful car. As people approached, they could hear him crying, Oh, my car, my beautiful car, I've paid so much money for this. I had it custom built just for me, and now look at it. He looked down at his clothing and saw the blood and said, Oh, my Armani suit. I had this made just for me. This fabric was brought in special just for me. About that time, one of the bystanders said, Man, forget your car and your clothing. Look at your arm. He pointed back to where the door of the car was resting, and there in the road he saw his left arm lying in the road. He cried out, oh, my watch, my beautiful Rolex watch with all of its diamonds. It's easy for us to recognize skewed views of money when it's so extreme. But what is a healthy view of money? What's money for? And how do we determine How much of it we give to God for the work of love in a place like Highland Baptist Church? For you see, whether we're talking about a little bit of money or a lot of money or even minimal, minimal money, the issue is not one of economics. We're talking about a spiritual issue here. And so even if you're visiting today and are not part of this church community, Even if you don't know that we're about to pledge our budget for 2013 next Sunday, this is a sermon I hope that you can hear a word, not from me, but from God, speaking to you about how you use what God gives to you. Frankly, some people are scared of money. They misunderstand the quote from the Apostle Paul that says, The love of money is the root of all evil. What they hear is, money is the root of all evil. And so there are people who avoid money 
avoid uh, having to deal with it, really even avoid uh, trying to possess it themselves. They don't recognize that money is simply a tool. It's neither good nor bad. Wayne Oates, many years ago, stood uh, right here in our sanctuary, unable to climb these steps. But in his brilliance, he made this observation, money is energy concentrated. Money is energy concentrated. More recently, Robin Meyer said, money is a portable form of power. You think about it. A $50 bill is just paper, except that it represents something that is Powerful, and you can translate it into power. But some are afraid of that power, and so they avoid money. Other people hoard their money. They don't quite know what to do with it. They don't, they're not uh, comfortable with what's being given to them, and so they just hang on to it for fear of making the wrong decision. I think of the story that Jesus told about the three servants who were given different amounts of money, big amounts of money. There were the two who took it and invested it and multiplied it. But there was the third servant who took the money and dug a hole and put the money in the hole and covered it up so as to keep it safe. He didn't know what to do with his money. Then there were those who, on the other extreme squander their money. They spend it as quickly as they get it. And, of course, we think of the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal meaning not the runaway son, but the wasteful son who went out and spent his money on dissolute living. Leaves a lot to the imagination. I'll let you fill in the blanks there. His approach was die young and leave a handsome corpse Go for it now. Just do it now. There are those who live in this way. Their, their life of Armanis and Ferraris and Rolexes reflect a, a, an attitude of spend it now while you've got the time. But then there are other people, and I suspect there are some in this room, who are more nickel and dime prodigals. Nickel and dime prodigals. They don't do one big blowout like the prodigal son did. What they do is a meal here and a meal here and an impulse buy there. And before they know it, their money, the substantive, substantive uh, discretionary money that they have is gone. And they have really very little to show for it. Then there are those who not only spend all that they have, they also spend all that they might have in the future. When our son Bobby was 18, the credit card company and all of its brilliance and uh, magnanimous uh, thinking sent him an invitation to get a credit card. You're 18. There's only a $200 limit, they said. What could go wrong? Don't do it, we said. Do not do that. But on the side, he took out this credit card. He bought some meals for himself and his friends. He bought a few CDs. He bought a baseball cap. He filled the car up with gas. And before he knew it, he had $175 racked up on this credit card, which was fine until the $27 monthly payment came around. And he forgot. And before the bleeding stopped, 
it was something like six or seven hundred dollars on that $175 in his future that he was going to get someday. And I tell that story not only because he's not here to defend himself, but because I have a feeling in this room today there are a number of us who are in that same predicament. We didn't intend it. We didn't intend to uh, get in this uh, trap, but, but we're trapped. What do we do? What does it mean to set priorities thinking of God? Let me say that if you're here this morning and have no sense of God, no higher purpose, no sense of gratitude for the wonder and gift of life that Will so beautifully described in his baptismal statement, if you have no sense of of the holy, then in many ways you're kind of off the hook. You can live into what culture sort of describes you as. You can be a consumer. You can just take and take and receive it all as one who consumes. I think of the man in Jesus' story called the parable of the rich fool who gathers it all in and says to himself, Hey, your soul is satisfied. Take and eat and drink and take your ease for you've got it all made And you know the end of that parable. So if you don't believe in God, you're off the hook today. But if this morning what drew you into this place is a sense that there is something sacred in life, that there's something bigger than just you and your own appetites, if you have some some sense of gratitude and some sense that we're all connected, if for you, when you hear the Lord ask that question of Cain, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is an unequivocal, yes, I am my brother's keeper. You know it. And it matters to you. When I tell the story about what's happening to the people in Morocco, you don't know their names, you don't even know their faces, but it matters to you because you're connected. So if you hear that call, if you have this belief, if for you when we read the story from Genesis 12, the call to Abram to let God bless him and to let the world be blessed through him. If for you, that's not just an old story. If that's your story, if you recognize that you're put on this earth to be a blessing for all the nations of this earth, then you know that your life and your money, they matter deeply. These are spiritual issues. These are not just financial and economic issues. We know that our money is not something we can avoid or squander or hoard or gamble away. It is to be used wisely and lovingly and hopefully and joyfully and generously. There's an odd line in one of Paul's letters to the church at Ephesus. He says to those who have been thieves, Thieves, stop stealing. That's good advice. Thieves, stop stealing. But then he goes on to say, Rather, begin laboring and working with honestly with your own hands so that 
you might be able to help others in need. Why should you stop stealing and go to work? So that you'll have something to share with those who are in need. You see, this is more than about our annual budget. It's about being transformed. About being called. About being formed in the way and the work of love. It's about saying yes and about planning wisely in order to say yes. We have a number of visitors here for the first time, and I just want you to know that I don't always preach about money. Those of you who are in the church, would you say amen to that? I don't know. Thank you. I don't always preach about money. And I don't usually preach in the way that I'm about to, and that is in a pretty practical and almost pedestrian kind of way, but it seems so important that we make wise choices so that our money collectively is available for this work of love that we are believing in. Let me start by saying I want us to see our money as an important resource in the work of love. If money is a portable form of power, it is a way for us to take our convictions and send them places or allow new things to be born. It is a way for us to be able to embody and live out the work of love. But it's not just about what we can do for other people. It's about what it does for us. For you see, by letting go of our money, by giving our money, we grow. And we are blessed. We come to find what Jesus said was in fact true. That it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Well... On one level, that makes no sense at all. But in the life of faith, it makes perfect sense. So let's reframe how we think of our money. Secondly, I want to suggest that we begin to budget and track our expenses as individuals and as families. Those of you who are on a tighter budget probably are doing this already. You're making sure you've got the rent and you're making sure you've got uh, the utility ready because you've got to live that way. But what happens is that over time, some of us have gotten beyond that kind of hand-to-mouth type living. We have some discretionary money, and if we're not careful, and I'm talking to myself here, if we're not careful... We begin to become those nickel and dime prodigals. A meal here, an impulse buy there, and pretty soon what money we have is no longer available for the work of love. I'm not saying we never go out to eat. I'm not saying we never uh, buy something for ourselves. What I'm suggesting is that we begin to ask ourselves questions. Do I really need that bright new shiny object? Do I really need that extra meal out this week that I... Do you see what I'm saying? Thirdly, I want to suggest that we simplify our lives. For some of you, it's going to mean getting rid of the old mess that you've created, getting rid of the debt that's so hampering you. 
And I want to say this morning, if you're in that situation, as a community of faith, we want to stand alongside and help. If you're in that situation, you come talk to one of us who are ministers. There are people in our church who would be happy to talk to you about getting out of debt. Come talk to us. For others of us who aren't in credit card debt, we need to think about simplifying our lives by, as one person put it, living simply so that other people can simply live. Not seeing every dime that we have as being ours to keep and to use on ourselves, but rather to use it for the work of love that God is doing in this world. Number four, I want to suggest that we give to God first. We began this hour, Daniel leading us in the reading from the Proverbs that said, Honor the Lord with the first fruits of our produce. What comes off the top. The reality is that many people pay all their bills and what's left over or perhaps what's even left over on Sunday morning when you're here is what you give. I'm glad that you give and I bless you for giving. But I want to invite you into a more mature way of thinking about your faith and your money. And that is to say, give what is God's to God first. First. Not the leftovers. The reality is that the bills will come and the collectors will call and they'll harass you and hound you. And we're not going to do that. But the, but the call, the invitation is... To make a commitment to give to God first. Number five, I want to invite you to talk with God about how much money you should give. I really cannot tell you how much to give. If you'd like for me to make a a, a guess, I'll, I'll tell you. But really, it's between you and God. My family gives 10% of our net income to God. I tell you that not to brag, but just to give you one marker of one person. We also give in addition and above that to other causes that that call to us, that, that, that need our additional support. But we're able to do that because we've made a commitment to do that first. And we give it to God. You've got to think about that for yourself. Talk with God about it. The pattern is not always easy, but it can be very joyful. Yes, there are many other things you could spend your money on, but I will tell you there's nothing that will bring more meaning and purpose to your life than when you give to the work of God. Number six, I'll say something audacious. I invite you to give to God through Highland Baptist Church. Because I think we represent the presence of Christ in this world. We're not the only ones. But we are a faithful representation of Christ. You may be thinking, well, why do that? Why why have a middleman? Why not give directly to God? Like the guy who said, "I, I give directly to God. I cash my paycheck on Friday, I bring it home, and I stand before my bed. I take all my money, and I throw it up in the air. Whatever God wants, God can take. Whatever falls back to the mattress, I get to keep for myself. (laughs) The Onion, that sarcastic newspaper, that satirical newspaper, 
had an article one day that was titled, The Majority of Money Donated at Church Doesn't Make It to God. The writer in the article said, Unfortunately, almost half of collections go to administrative expenses such as management, utilities, clerical costs, said the spokesman for the Lord Almighty. That's cute. But I want to suggest this morning that 100% of our budget is an expression of the kingdom of God here in Louisville. Not just the 15% or so of our money that comes in that goes directly to missions, but 100% of what we do. The ministers who are here try to train and love and find the people and challenge the people and interpret the gospel and counsel people and proclaim to a wider and wider collection of people to call them to be shaped by God's love. It's a wonderful investment. This building is, not, is used not just on Sunday morning, but seven days a week this building is open for worship experiences like this, but also for addicts who come in to try to find sobriety, for refugees who come in here to try to find a new life, to all kinds of community gatherings and church weddings and everything you can imagine seven days a week happen in this building that has stood on this corner for 120 years being a witness to the sacred as thousands of cars pass by this corner, to say there's more to life. There's God. An invitation to live differently. The ministries of this church, this weekend's uh, uh, high school senior retreat, our senior adult retreat, the choir retreat, the Sowers of Justice event that we sponsored, all are examples of the way we try to take money, this energy concentrated, and make the kingdom of God come alive. The work in Morocco the work in Shelby Park. These are all efforts to take God's money and make it come alive again. Highland Baptist Church are doers of God's word, as our inscription above our doors suggests, which is why I don't hesitate in the least saying to you, you can give to God through Highland Baptist Church. Number seven, and finally, I'll say this, do it. Don't just think about it. Do it. Make a pledge. Do it this week online. Do it next Sunday when we gather in this place. But make a pledge. And even though the pledge is for 2013, you can start giving now. Join this work of love now. Do you remember that movie Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise plays this sports agent who's got this uh, person he's got under contract. He's trying to get him a new, a new contract for his football career. He keeps making big promises to the person, but the guy says in that famous line, show me the money. Show me the money, Jerry. Don't just talk about it. Show me the money. And I want to say in the same way, you don't have to show it to me. Show it to God. Show God the money. Not only for, do it for, for God's sake, for the sake of the kingdom, but do it for your sake. For when you release your money to God, the other parts of our life also follow. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God 
the, the, the way of God in this world. Focus on that. And trust that in time, everything else will be added to you. I'm convinced this is what every single one of us need. Whether we're the hoarder or the fearful person with money, whether we're the, the, the prodigal or the gambler, no matter who we've been, God waits. Like that father in the story. God waits with a robe to put around our shoulders and a ring on our finger and sandals on our feet, not to say, hey, sit back and do nothing, but to say, we're about to go together into the work of love. My child, come on. Let's pray together. May our money be an example of our faith. And may our faith follow our money, not only into the offering plate, but into the offering of all that we have and are and do. This we pray in the name of the one who gave all, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.